I can do all things with God, grace and grace. Welcome to another inspiring episode of Podcast with Sheila, the podcast that is spreading positivity around the world by sharing inspiring life experiences. Today's guest, Deb Curtis, is a beacon of resilience, a testament to the power of perseverance and determination. She is a remarkable woman who has overcome many obstacles in her life and career and today we are going to discuss all of that and more as usual if someone was able to do it you can do it too and that is why we keep sharing these stories hello Deb and welcome to podcast with Sheila oh thank you Sheila very nice of you for the welcome mm-hmm. we are glad to have you on um, this podcast and on this episode okay I think in the last two months we've not done a, a recording because it's been like a roller coaster of events here so I'm excited that we are bouncing back and you're bouncing back with this strong story from you and I'm excited for us to talk about it like I said earlier on so by way of introduction who is Deb where does she come from just the basic stuff so that our yeah. audience get to know who our guest is today fantastic uh Deb is a Deb was a uh, raised as a broken little girl, uh, abandoned by her mother at age nine, and her father, after a two-year court battle, um, won custody of me, mm-hmm. and we lived a very frugal lifestyle. I was the youngest of three. My two oldest sisters were already gone and doing their own thing in life, and um Thankfully, my father decided to move close to our high school where I, so I could walk to school, Sheila, while he worked two jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, he couldn't afford to put me through school, and he certainly wasn't going to co-sign on a student loan for me. Yeah. So my opportunities to go to school back in, in those days, which was the mid-'80s, was vanished. And back then, Sheila... Um, going to a university in America was a huge deal and it still is today but part of this story my journey will will explain why it was a huge deal because it was so important back then to have a university um, education on your resume which in many cases for many professions yes but not for all Hmm. Um, so my senior year um, I was already struggling in middle school with, with the abandonment of my mom and just being a poor child, not having everything that everyone else had. Yeah. They recognize it yeah. and they see it. Yeah. I was the little girl who waited in the, back then, the separate hot lunch line to receive a, a different colored ticket for them to track that the district was paying to feed me because no. we didn't have much yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was funny. Back then, things were just more open and and, but then I think we still have issues with with biases today and just opinions of people based on stuff like that so my father Sheila always taught me even though I couldn't um, attend a university just to work hard and you can achieve anything so that's what started me into my career Hmm. Um, my first employer was of 18 years and when I say employer a professional employer Mm. where I was able to get my foot in the door and and uh, as a customer service rep and work my way up over 18 years so I'll stop there in case you might have a question about my past childhood at all yeah I wanted to find out you know usually you'd hear that um, the common thing we hear is that the dad the dads left the home but in your case is 
it's the other way around how did your mom not be a huge part i don't know if she was a huge part of your life at some point in your life but how did she from the story you just said how did she not be in part of your life growing up affected did it affect your life in any way being raised by your father who is you know a man yeah and and that's a, a perfectly normal question yeah. because back then the courts always gave the mom the custody exactly. in the 70s that was very common um, my father when we were little when they were still married moved us from a, a city a metropolitan area mm -hmm. to a rural area thinking that we would have a better lifestyle mm -hmm. living in the country yeah. versus in yeah, the city, city. <laughs> and all of that really wasn't true because my mom was a stay-home at mom a stay-home mom taking care of us and the ladies in the subdivision were all stay-at-home moms and they they started to get into uh, pain meds Valium and different kinds of pain meds and and alcohol because honestly they got bored I guess with yeah. all of us kids at school mm. and what are we gonna do so they hung out and started to get involved in the wrong stuff mm. so how did that impact me as a child well Sheila it impacted me for over Oh, almost 40 years of my life my mom was abandoned from my entire life um, she was an adopted little girl mm. I understand more today now that I'm older yeah but when I was younger I didn't really see uh, she was given up because she was born with polio and her biological parents just gave her up for adoption when she was a baby so she never had a family so think she struggled with having a family because she never had one yeah. and I, I wasn't I wasn't planned I, I just arrived accidentally and at the time I arrived her adopted father was dying of cancer mm -hmm. so there, there was a frustration with her having me to take care of because she was taking care of her sick by uh, sick foster oh, dad yeah. so I was the child that my father said was left in a bassinet for hours just crying because she would ignore me to, to take care of her father mm. so you know that was part of her illness so um, how did that affect me later on in life um, I always prayed Sheila for um, to have a normal family when I was a little girl yeah. I didn't know who God was I always knew there was a higher power yeah. Because my mom would take us to Catholic Church, yeah. and we would sit in the front pew. That was a, we had to sit in the front pew. Yeah. If we missed church and didn't make it in time to get to that front pew, it was going to be a bad Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> she would be crabby, and that's the truth. Um, <clears throat> so anyhow, fast forward to all these years, March of 2020, when the mm. pandemic hit. Mm. She's 76 years old. Mm hardly ever a part of my life I, and I truly mean that um, and I got a call from the home that she was staying at which still was a drug home <clears throat> but she was living there at 76 years old because she could afford it in a single efficiency and the pandemic was really scaring her and people were dying of drug overdose in, in the home she was living so the pandemic brought us together Sheila mm. I had to mm. uh, move move her in with my husband and my children learn how to 
be with her after all these years and she's still troubled with depression um, highs and lows she stayed with us for six months and we found a, um, a beautiful senior living apartment across town from where we live and I learned how to forgive Sheila my god um, this is yeah. a, this is a very big story you just shared with us especially the bit about forgiveness because that is a point where most of us may struggle to get by you know be able to go by that be able to forgive somebody and move on but for you to be able to do it I, I wouldn't say you did it effortlessly because for that long it may have taken a lot for you to get to this point but you finally got there and it's, it's a very positive story we are putting out there in that line of forgiveness and trust me if you're listening to this episode I want you to listen to the very end because there's I think there's a message in there for everybody who would listen to this episode so I'll oh, urge yeah. anybody who listens to it to follow it up through to the end but there was something that you mentioned that I grabbed as you were talking about as you're um, sharing your story and I hope I'll be able to get hold of it if it comes to me but it's like it's gone <laughs> hopefully to come back but um, yeah. yeah the bit about stay home moms I work with a group like that. I work with moms. I work with women in general. And some okay. of my, the women who come to me, some of them are stay-at-home moms. And being a stay-at-home mom is a, is a job on its own and it's quite difficult. But sometimes yeah. people outside of the world or outside of that group may not see it as difficult. Because let's put... Yeah being a stay-at-home mom if your baby if your children are not babies for you to have them all the time and they leave you and go to school then you're left with nothing if you're not doing anything you're just left to yourself and everyone know the things that are around the world so what for me for what we do for women is we formed a group where all these women can come together and do what they love like do craft or do something and then you know like things like that you could easily fall in the right yeah company but, wow uh, that's wonderful, but you're right. Uh, Stay-at-home moms, I guess you feel maybe dismissed because exactly. you're not working, yeah. and it is hard work. Yes. Uh, you know, dad's expecting the the dinner on the table at five, and and the house cleaned, yeah. and it, it's it's monotonous day in and day out. And yeah. maybe they, you know, they just don't feel fulfilled, so they look for other avenues to make them feel better and her case was alcohol and pain meds yeah. so yeah yeah but you're you know that forgiveness piece yeah. Sheila um my whole entire life yeah I didn't have forgiveness mm -mm. Hmm. in fact um much of my family was very bitter at her for what she did to me I understand that but now that I'm older and understand her past, I realize more for myself that I needed that forgiveness and I needed to rekindle our relationship um, as we have today. Yeah. And she always tells me she doesn't deserve what we do for her, but yet she's blessed. And I tell her, no, actually, I'm blessed yeah. <laughs> because I had the opportunity to rekindle my relationship with her exactly. before she moves on to home. And he, she's 80 years old, yeah. has lived with polio, has curvature of her spine, one lung because the spine collapsed her one lung um, mm. from growing up. Yeah. 
I don't know how she walks, but she does. She can be rather funny sometimes, but she's in constant pain. Oh my constant God. pain. And I think a lot of people miss the fact that a lot of us are walking around in constant either physical pain yes. or mental pain. Yes. And that's, yes. yeah, we got to remember that. Yeah. Um, and, and that's part of the journey for me to heal was to forgive her. Yeah. And I, the message I send to anyone listening is, you know, if if you have to forgive someone, you don't have to wait for the I'm sorry from them because you might not get it. Because I never got a straight up I'm sorry from her, but that's okay because her life was such a mess back then. And her life was a mess since the day she was given up for adoption. So in my heart, I have forgiven her. And she knows it because I love her. I hug her. We pick up groceries for her. She don't drive. We take her to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's moments she's she's in pain and crabby. And uh, I now kind of just have to laugh and and chuckle and say, okay, you can't be like that with the doctors or they're going to give you a spanking. (laughs) (laughs) So forgive is the message. Wow, that's a good one we're putting out there. Forgive. Well, let's move on to the year 1990s, um, where you were told by your bosses that um, they didn't promote women. Can you tell us what profession that was back then and how all of that started? Mm -hmm. So you heard me mention that um, I didn't go to college, Mm. so I did not have that college education on my resume. Mm. Uh, my first career job was 18 years as a professional job. Prior to that, I was a waitress, a server. Anybody can do that. Mm. Um, and there's good money in that, too, yeah. believe it or not. Mm. <laughs> you hustle. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I moved into a finance company um, position. I was in customer service. Mm. And this company, we helped individuals that had um, poor personal credit history Mm. and their scores were lower and they needed a car loan and they would um, obtain a car loan from the company I work for uh, but the interest rates were high because it was more risk yeah but with with that Sheila uh, people usually if they've paid late payments in the past they may do it again the Mm. odds are they may do it again and they many of them did so part of the process was we had to collect payments and make sure people paid on time, knock on the doors and the neighborhoods looking for their money. And if they didn't pay and fell so many months past due, we had to repossess the car. Mm. Now, back then, the women weren't branch managers and it was the branch manager's responsibility, which was all men, to do the repossessions. But the men always brought the assistant managers. I was able to get promoted to an assistant. So I always went on those repossession calls. Um, We didn't hire repo companies. We would find the car and hire hire a tow truck company. No cell phones. We had to go to the local Mm -hmm. payphone and call our tow truck guy to meet us on a corner to go hook up the car. Mm. I did that with the men. So um, time had surpassed and I was a top performer and I wanted to be promoted because I felt I deserved it. I was doing better than my comparator male peers. And the male management at that time um, declined 
me wanting to be promoted for two reasons. Number one, and they were very public and vocal about it, I was a woman, and they said they don't promote women to branch managers, and number two was because I didn't have that college education. Mm. So I was positively persistent. Sheila, that would that would be the best way yeah. to put it. I kept telling them, I really want this position. I know I can do it. I'm already doing it. So after some time, they agreed to put me on a, what they call a probationary period of that promotion over six months. And I surpassed my male peers at all the different locations. I, I pulled in better numbers than they did. So they agreed to promote me but without the same pay. And they said, because again, I can't get the same pay because I'm a woman and I don't have the college education. So I still took that promotion, Sheila, because it was more important to me to have that at the top of my resume that I was promoted in the same company. To me, that that was my college education, hard work, fire in the belly. So how did it feel when you heard that one, you were a woman, especially that, and even when they said, because you didn't have the college degree, because sometimes you don't need a degree to perform because in so many stories we've heard down the line, there are people who are making it, who never had a college degree. And there are mm-hmm. so many examples to that because, because people, some people learn very fast. They know they don't have to sit in the classroom to be thought. They are self-thought and they learn as they go yeah. on. So they may have yeah. all the experience. They may even know better than the people who are sat in class and been yeah. taught. So that shouldn't be a hindrance to you being promoted. If it's obvious that you're doing the work and you're even doing it better than, uh-huh. you know, yeah. so how did you feel one? <clears throat> When you were told you're a woman and you can't be promoted and when you were also told that you didn't have the college degree yet they knew that you were performing above the level they had put you i was frustrated <laughs> but but i knew my frustration and being mad at them wasn't going to win me a promotion or earn me a promotion i had to just keep working hard I still recall hearing my dad you just have to show them that you can do it and work hard Um, I kept that frustration to myself um, and worked hard and Mm -hmm. and still earned more accolades and still was in the top one to three branches but eventually Sheila I left because I still was treated differently than the men I have to say, I did open up the gates for other women to get promoted in that company, which that was, for me, a success, and I felt like I did my work. And now it was time for me to take that promotion and and look for more career positions, so to speak, to climb the ladder, which is difficult in many industries that are dominated by men. Um, and uh, in in America, for sure, dominated by white men. It it just is what it is. It's always been that way. Um, So I left that company and started working for banks, and that's when I started getting into business banking, SBA lending, and supporting small businesses, which is very dominated by the male male, um, counterpart of me. same stories every stop every employer that I was at 
now they couldn't say because you are a woman because yeah. the yeah. laws that were in place fair and equal treatment um inclusivity diversity yeah. and we all know employers talk a talk and they have yeah. it written in their policies yeah. but along my journey they don't walk it exactly. um, internally or externally yeah. and and what I mean by that is, you know, if they don't walk it internally, many of the front sales people that are talking to small business owners or people that want to acquire a business, if they don't practice diversity and inclusivity in the employer. Some of the front line are not going to practice it when people are applying for a loan. Yeah. They have their biases because yeah. nobody's getting on them for their biases internally mm. so why would they track them externally and a lot of these frontline <clears throat> lenders that work for banks have their own assumptions and biases um, regarding a certain color applicant or yeah. a certain gender yeah I, and I witnessed that um, and my journey continued where I was Pushed, pushed back from any kind of promotion or if I needed a rush or a special interest rate on a business loan it never was granted to me because I was the only girl on the all-male team they would give it to the top performing men so it was always a struggle yeah. for me my hurts of my corporate past and my challenges they were awful. Many times I would leave work just crying my eyes out from being treated differently than the yeah. men. Those hurts over the years have created my solutions for today for yeah. others who are going through the same. Yeah. And that's what I call my small business. So um, I'm happy to help women and all people of color um, that need a loan to purchase finance established businesses because of the the huge baby boomer um, uh, retirement that's happening like where the story has uh, diverted to with regards to discrimination um, uh -huh. against gender and race I think a few couple of weeks back or about a month ago I taking my son to the hospital and as I sat there I saw I I saw a pattern and I realized the relationship that was going on between race uh -huh. nurses and a particular race of a nurse was in senior management and another race was in junior management and I saw the way the senior manager spoke to the junior manager and I saw something different that wasn't like my boss talking to me but it looked like something else I was looking at and I've had too many times some of these things go on and on and on like I said because I work with women and most of these women had worked in professional levels before they had retired or left and they communicate when they come here and they talk about it and I wonder why people still um, stay in these places you know these organizations when they are being discriminated against with regards to skin color the way you speak kind of things like that why people keep on going but you realize that yeah. if it's their source of income they don't have an option but what I always say is do to others what you want them to do to you 
because at some point life is very funny at some point in time you think you are at your best position but things could easily change and the yes. person you're being nasty to could become the person you'll be looking for some help or for some service from and so many times people come here and um, they say oh I wasn't expecting this organization to be managed by a black person you know, they don't say it straight up when they come, but after they've settled, they've gotten into the groove and they see that they can talk, then they, oh, I was surprised when I first saw you and I wasn't expecting to see a black person. They say things yeah. like that, you know, but yeah. we, I hear things like this, so they don't bother me. But some people say, why sh they should bother you? But they don't bother me because it's the way things have been put out there and it's, you call them systems, things, the way things have been done and have been accepted, which is not right. Yeah. But I always say, like I always say when I meet anybody that if you don't want it to be done to you, don't do it to somebody else because you should know that it's not nice so don't do it to somebody else but i think you're a very brave woman for you to be working in a male-dominated company yet you're able to use your voice to speak uh -huh. out and make yourself be heard and i believe they did hear it else other women wouldn't be having that position even though it didn't happen in your time but you're able to make yeah. the way for other people to come through and i also want to believe that probably you were that was your calling whilst you were there i would want to believe i would want to believe that that was your calling because definitely oh see the twinkle in my eyes when you said that yeah yes um i found that out through talking to god um a while back i had a coach um, regarding my business yeah. that said to me because we were talking about who I want to serve, and I want to serve women and people of color because of the experiences that I went through. And her words to me were, why would you discount the white corporate man if that's your number one applicant, if that's the one that applies and gets these loans all the time and has the money and, and the experience? And I said to her, because it's not the fire in my belly. I, you know, yeah. they're the ones that made it difficult for me. So why would I run a business helping raise them up to, to greater places? Now I'll help them if, if they believe in unity and diversity. With, yeah. um, but based on my experience, I got called me to help those that don't even know how to go about this process. And a lot of that is just simply because they weren't granted the opportunities in corporate to learn what other yeah. options are out there. Yeah. If I knew what I know today, how to purchase finance and establish, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you today if I would have known this 10 years ago. I would have acquired a couple of businesses and, and they'd be running on their own and I'd be enjoying time with my grandchildren. Yeah. Um, so I change that today, Sheila, and I help others yeah. rise above. Yeah, wow. that's that's my message. And you, the twinkle in my eyes when you said I bet you you found your calling yeah. oh yes I did yeah. 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 yeah 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 and sometimes you have to go through rough paths to actually find the purpose for which you are here on earth yeah. and sometimes yeah. when I sit I sit back and I I look back like 10 years back maybe a bit more 13 years back I was miserable I was miserable and some of the parts I had gone through today I appreciate those parts 
because yeah. I, I see that God was just preparing me. Preparation stage is always very difficult, very unpleasant. It's a place where you don't want to be. But when you're going through, you wouldn't know you're being prepared for something greater. You never know because it doesn't show. You know, it never shows your preparation. Nothing shows, nothing good shows. And it looks like you're worth nothing at that stage because you're yeah. trying so many things and God is still mm. putting you through so many faces. And I still go through faces now. But when I go through them, I know that it's for a greater end. Because I've seen, I've been there before. I've seen it. And every stage I go through, I'm like, I just go through, I won't even say with delight, but at least with some hope, knowing that definitely there's something big at the end. Because else, I wouldn't be going through that. And that is my hope for going through. And every time I go through a stage, something bigger happens. Something bigger yeah. keeps happening. So when I talk to people like you, I'm always empowered. And I believe anybody who will be listening to us should be empowered as well. Because if you've done it, if I've done it, and if they are going yeah. through their preparation stage, they should um, have some hope and courage and know that if others have done it, they can do it as well. Wow, that's yeah. huge. And I think of the times, I'll add to this, mm -hmm. driving home from different employers, crying my eyes out in the car because of being treated differently as a woman and I might add there's an issue in corporate where I call it the culture of silence yeah. where the workplace um, a lot of women and other men witness what is happening the disparate treatment and the discrimination some of it is horrific I've had some of the worst male bosses that were horrific and scared us and he treated certain women harder than others. You can't go to HR because they protect the company. Yeah. And then if they send out surveys to everybody or interview everyone, no one says anything because they're ha they have a fear that that'll put a target on their back. I was the one that always said something because I'm honest. And and I if I like you mentioned earlier, if you see something that's right not right, you should yeah. say something. Yeah. But for the yeah. norm, Sheila, they don't because they don't want to lose their job. So those moments driving home, tears down my eyes, I would just cry out to God, like, why me? Because yeah. even my husband said, your journey has been so difficult. You're right, Sheila. He was preparing me yeah. for the now. Yeah, yeah. And anyone out there that's going through those hardships, he is preparing you for something bigger. Yeah. yeah. And if I could have told myself that back then, I might have thought, okay, and I would have rested more in him, but I was lost. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So I hope your listeners get something out of this because it might not be easy, but that just means he's preparing you for something greater. Exactly. Tune in same time next week for the part two of this episode. Have a brilliant day. Until we meet again. Bye. Bye.